You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Gentlemen, start your engines! The following is a paid program. Warning. The views expressed come from men who've spent half their lives in grease-stained overalls, inhaling hazardous fluids. Before taking any advice, consider the source. This program will contain humor of a questionable nature. A mechanic tries to fix your car. No matter if you're near or far. He'll change your oil or fix your flat. And he'll do it just like that. Buckle up, everyone. It's time to get this show on the road. Time for Dave's Corner Garage, your Saturday morning joyride on Zoomer Radio. Got a car question for Dave or Alan? Call now, 416-360-0740. Or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Okay, Al, hit it! You can tell I'm feeling better. All right. <laughs> well, it all started when my son wanted to redo his washroom. No way we'll go there. Anyways, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Dave's Corner Garage. We have a really nice lineup for you today. Uh, joining us is Colin Daly. No, Dilly. Colin Dilly. Colin Dilly. This is going to be hard. Watch this. Right, 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 because we've got three Ds. Okay? Right, three Ds. So Colin Dilly is here from Preston, all the way from Connecticut via Chicago. Via... Good thing he's not from Detroit, because yeah. it ought to get just way too confusing. <laughs> then Mike Daly mm-hmm. is joining us from Lee's Busters. But he comes weekly. Yeah. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and um, we're going to be talking about what happens if you bang up or prang your uh, lease car, you know, because if your car gets damaged, all of a sudden it's That's right, and money. you have to take it to the panel beater. That's exactly. Can we make any more limey kind of jokes? He doesn't even get it. You know, he's it's just going right over his head. Well, that's that's the way you take it. You take it to the panel beater. You got exactly. It. There right. you go. Exactly. Exactly. And he'll fettle the vehicle. Fettle? <laughs> yeah. Really? I watch a lot of BBC. Anyways, and uh, just want to remind you that uh, folks at Prestone are giving away a neon sign. Uh, it's it's on our website. You can join and get into the contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave'sCornerGarage.com. Make sure you enter. And uh, it's something great for the bedroom, you know, hanging over your bedroom. and wipe Oh, the wife it. is just going to love it. She's going to love those yellow colors. And, <laughs> and you're going to go, honey, is it pressed on time? She says, yeah. get away from me, I have a headache. So if you're going to call in, we'd like to talk about coolant. It's an amazing subject. Uh, we were talking in the green room. Really amazing stuff, like, uh, you know, getting heat into that stuff and heat out and it degrades. And Do we have to change stuff. the name of the green room now? Because like antifreeze, it's not all green anymore. No, there's red antifreeze, too. So we're going to have multiple green rooms. No, we'll go from there. Anyways, <laughs> uh, let's do that. If you want to do call-in, please listen to the numbers, and away we go. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. It's Dave's Corner Garage. I'm Dave Renninger with Alan Gelman and Colin Dilly, who is actually from England. That is correct. Right, that's why we made all those English jokes. They were no very way. good. <laughs> we wouldn't make jokes at someone else's expense. No, of course not. Um, but I don't, we're going to start off with a coolant question because I was. we were talking in the green room and I was overwhelmed with how complicated coolant actually is. Everybody just sort of takes it for granted. Well, right. We've always called it antifreeze, and this time of year, we're, biggest, our, we're always thinking that our biggest concern is coolant freezing up. Yeah. And in fact, in the old days, I guess they used water, and it would freeze. But now, 
there's way more to be concerned about. Right, Colin? That's correct. You, the antifreeze is not just for antifreeze. It's yeah. all about taking the heat away from the engine mm -hmm. and making that engine run like it should run. Now, you made a comment that more coolant issues in the summer than any other time of the year. That's right. You always see that guy on the side of the road. There's steam pouring out of his car. Yeah. He's standing there looking a little bit frustrated. Mm -hmm. That's because he wasn't watching his coolant in the summer. It yeah. had probably had uh, leaked out a little bit. It had gone down low, and uh, when there's not enough coolant, it's going to boil. It can't take the heat will away. Will it evaporate? It will evaporate slowly, and especially people find they've got a loose radiator cap. It's going to keep evaporating. Keep the system tight. You shouldn't have that much of a problem, but it will evaporate. Now, we're going to get a little technical because we're going to talk about uh, core guard, yep. which is in, in effect protects the engine. And I was amazed when you told me that you're now working on stuff seven or eight years out of here. And I, you're going to the future seven, eight years to see what the requirements are. That's so, our job. At Prestone, we have a, a very good R&D center. And our job is to work with the OEMs out there and really work out what are the problems they have with the engine platforms that require a different coolant. Well, so many of things have changed. You know, we're getting huge horsepower, you know, out of such a small engine yeah. these days. You know, in the old days, you used to have a, a V8 engine that was 280, 290 cubic inches, only giving you about 185 horsepower. Yeah, turning real slow. And, and now we have four-cylinder cars that are doing almost double that. What, what kind of issues are created by the manufacturers Trying to get, you know, the engineer trying to get all that horsepower out. So when they got that horsepower in a small engine, there's not enough room for that heat to sink into that engine. So the coolant's got to work better at getting that heat away. And what that does, it puts a lot of stress on the coolant. Mm -hmm. You're going to get the engine running so hot with hot spots, it's going to boil the coolant. It actually boils inside actually the engine? actually boils inside, and you'll get localized boiling, and that causes a really insidious type of corrosion called cavitation corrosion. And in fact, with some of the newer platforms that they're designing, it's so bad that that cavitation corrosion will eat right through the engine and just basically destroy the engine very quickly. So you've got to protect the engine at those boiling points. And that's what we've been working on at Prestone and what we've succeeded with CoreGuard. One of the things we were talking about was smaller engines, smaller rad. Now you've got to speed up the flow of the coolant inside the, the unit. That's right. right. So it's got to pick up the heat quicker and it's got to lose the heat quicker without degrading. Yep. Degrading is the big point there because when you put extreme heat like those boiling points, boiling spots on the engines, the ethylene glycol breaks down. Mm -hmm. And when it breaks down, it causes real acidic components to be formed. And they're going to eat away any metal in your engine, especially the aluminum. So what you have to do is not just protect the engine. You've got to put chemistry in there to protect the coolant from breaking down. And if you can protect the coolant, and protect the engine, you got something special, and that's what we've done. Interesting. Um, when you buy it off the shelf, there's concentrate, and then there's 50-50. Uh, can you sort of build on that? So really, if you're topping off, you want to use the 50-50. So you want to check. Every time you open that hood up, it's worth a second just to check your coolant level, top it up with some 50-50. Mm -hmm. If you've got an old neglected system, or the antifreeze is old and you're flushing it out, Every time you flush out an engine, you always leave a little bit of water in there no matter what. Mm. So use the concentrate at this point. Work out what your cooling system volume is from your manual. Fill that up half with concentrate and then top it to the top with water. That way you guarantee you're going to get a 50-50 mix and that's going to give you the optimum engine running conditions because that's what that engine was designed for, a 50-50 mix of coolant. Now you actually give them, uh, if you go to your website, you have a, have a cooling system guide. Absolutely. Log on and you can find it out for any vehicle. I mean, all the way through from your old uh, big eight cylinders all the way through to your, um, you know, your today's modern car. It's all there. Go ahead, Steve. So for the consumers who are listening, 
much like myself who know about cars. Uh, how similar is it to when you change to winter tires, Dave? Yes. How is it, How similar is it to when you should know how to change your antifreeze or coolant and which products you should use for certain cars? So, a bunch of questions there. I, I, I read he didn't it. realize how many questions he was really asking. I, there. I've been watching Trump too much. You know? So, let's start with what coolant you should be using. Um, a good all-makes-all-models coolant is the best way to go for your on-yourself coolant. Uh, that's been designed for all engines, all metallurgies, all polymers. And you can guarantee that it's been tested for all of those, which is important. When you should do it, really the important thing is making sure there's a time of the year that you should do it, much like changing your batteries on your smoke alarm or anything else. People tend to do it at wintertime. But really, summer, when we discussed before, is when the problems really occur. Mm -hmm. So every time the season changes, as long as you're looking, you're good. And make sure you know when you last put coolant in there because it does have a life expectancy for that coolant. Once you get past that, the coolant is breaking down and it is causing corrosion in your engine. And that's causing blockages in your radiator and heater core. Mm. And that's causing your engine to run hotter. When your engine runs hotter, your oil viscosity goes down. Mm -hmm. If your oil viscosity goes down, you know you're going to be getting more engine wear. So be careful, watch where it is, and keep it topped up. Put a sticker up. You guys do it at Glen Allen Motors? Like you put a sticker up that says you, your oil changes next to this miles? Oh, absolutely. What about, what about with coolant? Uh, for the most part, you know, if you go see your, your automotive professional, right. he knows, you know, obviously that he has to check the levels. And uh, But at this time of year, especially, check the quality of the coolant that's in there as well. Uh, and we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about other things, because uh, th there was a million different things that we actually spoke about that the average person doesn't know. Yeah. You know, we talked about metallurgy and polymers and different kinds of coolant. A hundred questions that we're going to answer for you. And if you get an RV, there's stuff for that, too. Really? Yeah, they have a... What line is RV on? RV, <laughs> RV calls quite regularly. Is, is he on the line right now? We'll be right back <laughs> right after these messages. These messages. Bye-bye. Okay, welcome back. Uh, garage door is wide open. We have an absolute specialist here from Prestone. If you have a question about antifreeze or winterizing your motorhome or whatever, your boat, this is the guy you got to ask. Colin Dilly is here from Prestone directly. Really some interesting stuff. Can you mix your product with whatever's in the engine now? You can. We've done testing, compatibility testing with literally every single OEM and aftermarket antifreeze out there. It's compatible with all of them. So there's red stuff and there's green stuff and there's yellow stuff. There's red stuff, green stuff, yellow stuff. But remember, guys, color is just a dye. It's just a dye, right? It's just a dye. So it's this started all in, what, 1927, I think, Prestone first started? That's right, 1927, the first ever ethylene glycol-based coolant, which was designed to you know, replace methanol that was used then, which caused many fires. Yeah, I remember. And I also remember when, when we were younger, we used to pull the thermostat, pull the water, and put the coolant and the, the new thermostat in for the winter, and the summer pull it and do it the opposite. So this stuff is, is what you call long life. In other words, you never change it. Never change it. Well, you, you do change it. Long life has like an up to five year, 150,000 miles compared to the, the silicate technology, which you need to get out at least every other year. Uh, if you don't take out every other year, you lose that protection on the engine really quickly. So okay. silicate technology for, for lay people, is, that's basically the old green stuff. That's the old green stuff. was invented back in the 1930s. Mm -hmm. And they used it for so long. They used it for a long time. But you've got to think all the time they used it, engines leaked like crazy. 
So people kept pouring more and more green stuff in it. And what they were doing, they weren't changing it. They thought it lasts forever. The re real reason was they kept adding more. They kept adding more. It kept adding more. Ah. So it kept protecting. As soon as engine technology got tighter and the clamps got better, they didn't top it up. And suddenly they started finding engine problems. I have all those head gaskets we did, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So people lift the hood and they want to check their levels. And again, as we mentioned, you're going to see different color antifreeze, uh, which indicates, of course, most of the cases, it's a long life if it's not the green one. Um, which one of your products can you use in there? So you always want to use the, the core guard, the Prestone core, core guard. guard. Okay, that's specific one. That's specific you guys one. have other named coolants as well, correct? We have, we have other coolants, but that's, that's the one you want to use. Uh, it's the best technology that mm -hmm. we have, and, and honestly, it's the best technology out there. Now, you were saying that the antifreeze doesn't really start protecting for 10,000... Kilometers or miles? You're miles. So we're, we're, we're miles. You're kilometers. So you can say 20,000 kilometers yeah. or so. Our technology will start protecting immediately, uh -huh. literally within a fraction of a second. It's designed to do that. All the other long-life technologies, you've got to drive that car for you know, 20,000 kilometers or so before it starts building up enough protection protect, to start protecting the metals. So it's, it's like plating the metal uh, basically inside? It's plating the metal. We're protecting it from all types of corrosion. And there's not just general corrosion. We think of rust. There's cavitation corrosion. There's pitting corrosion. There's crevice corrosion. All sorts of corrosion that are going to really damage your vehicle. And remember, those stuff that comes from those corrosion is going to go through the system. It's going to collect in your radiator and heater core. And it's going to stop the engine cooling. Is that that white stuff that when you they look at the open heater core, there's that's, all this white around every... every that's the uh, white stuff, and that's uh, aluminum oxide. That's all parts of your water pump and your hey, block and your now head. Now I know what that stuff is. Now I'm you learning know. this, too. Hey, you, you learn something. It's, it's actually called aluminum, right? You got it. <laughs> <laughs> now, question. You know, we talked about long-life antifreeze and that you have a longer interval, but, but in fact, it, it's not written in stone. How does someone know whether their long life has come to life end? You need to test it. There are test strips out on the market uh -huh. to really look at the chemistry and the acidity to make sure this doesn't go one way or another. Another way, just look at it. If it's changing color and it's turned brown, mm -hmm. then that means there's rust in it. It's kind of simple. Right. And it's time to change it out. If you're seeing rust, it's not protecting anymore. Well, well, right, but we can't go with just, just a, a rust color, for example, because there's a lot of engines, for example, that are aluminum blocks, correct? Aluminium. So but, <laughs> so but you're not going to have that iron oxide in there. You won't have the iron oxide, but you will see a color change. Okay. And it smells. It has kind of a fishy smell. Absolutely right. That fishy smell is the amines, and when the ethylene glycol breaks down, it breaks down into acidic species, like I said, and also some amines, and amines smell like fish. If your coolant smells like fish, change yeah. it. Wow, fascinating. You've actually um, gone way past its protection right. <laughs> at that ta point. They were talking about aluminum. That used to be a real precious metal back in the 1900s. That's right. They made jewelry out of that stuff. Yeah, but they made air-cooled engines, so we didn't have to really worry about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you freeze at that point. Now, the other thing was how often do you change your formula? Well, we're looking ahead. We've got to work with the OEMs, and we're looking seven, ten years ahead to see what's happening with the engine platforms. Yeah. And when that tells us you're going to have to change it because they need it to work better than it did before, for example, if you're using a coolant-cooled turbo or any other parts, it's putting more stress on the coolant. Then we've got to work out the chemistry to make sure we're protecting both the engine, the new part, the new metal, and the new, and make sure we're protecting the coolant from basically heat. And that could be every seven, ten years. But right now, there's been no big changes since Corgard before Corgard for about twenty plus years. So they use the same formula for that long. Yeah, and if you look at your car twenty years ago, it ain't what you got today. 
No, it's absolutely true. And that's the trouble with our business is that these things last too long. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're in the repair business, not in the... You've got to think that every other coolant out there, the patent is probably expired, and patents usually last for 21 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that shows it's old technology. Fascinating. Okay. Uh, if you've got any questions at all, please call in. Uh, the number will be on the middle of the... Uh... <laughs> promo. It's promo. a promo. <laughs> the promo. It's made of aluminium. <laughs> aluminium. You know, we were actually at the Flagler Inn, or Flagler um, Mansion in West Palm, and she did a whole room in aluminum. And that room was, in the 1900s, was like... Millions of dollars. Did she have Preston all around the car, too? She was, well, something else. I'll okay. tell you that story later. Anyways, uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Say goodbye, Al. Uh, goodbye, Al. Uh, this <laughs> is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. <laughs> all right. And speaking of Lease Busters, Mike Daly is on the phone. This show is in 3D. Exactly. we got Dilly, Daly, and David. <laughs> uh, Mike, good morning. How are you? I am very good, sir. Good. Stuff at Lease Busters busy? Yes, we are extremely busy this time of year. Well, people looking for beaters primarily? No, I don't think so. I think we just get busy because all the manufacturers are starting their uh, Christmas uh, holiday sales, and uh, mm-hmm. and we just kind of jump on board at the same time. So, Well, for the most part, then, this provides someone to get rid of. Like, perhaps they've had a car for maybe two years, and all of a sudden they fall in love with a new model. Yep. Right. they still got a lease a year left or so of their lease. Yeah. This provides a way to get out, correct? Exactly, yeah. Perfect. We, we got a couple of questions that we wanted to bring up. Sure. Um, nowadays, uh, because of consumerism, everybody that's buying and selling a car has to do a due diligence. Yeah. And uh, apparently from Omvic, I got a note the other day, even if you have an estimate on your car, that also has to be reported uh, to the next buyer. If you have a prang on your car, mm-hmm. does it affect the value of the car? And is the leasee responsible for the difference in value? Or how would that work? What kind of prang? Well, yeah, I don't know. He's got, he busted the headlight in the grill, so it's 1500 bucks. What's a prang? <laughs> What's a prang? South end of a horse, walking north. No. <laughs> I guess you got to look at it a couple of different ways. Um, mm-hmm. Normally, the insurance company is notified when you're in an accident. Right. And the leasing company is also notified when there's an accident. And any replacement parts that are put on the car have to be OEM. Okay. Okay. So they can't be a jobber-type part. And um, insurance companies uh, are real, real strict on lease cars about that. So when you return the car, you're returning it actually in, in the exact same condition that you bought it in. Yeah, but it's branded as have, on, on CarProof as having, I don't know, $3,000 damage or well, $5,000 damage. Well, I mean, we, uh, we offer CarProof with every leased car if you want to buy it or not, but the manufacturer doesn't really seem to care when the car is returned if it's had damage. Okay. Um, as long as the damage has been done correctly. I guess the only time that they're... they're you know, having a problem is when somebody does not report it, gets it fixed, does not use OEM parts, and, um, you know, there's a certain liability that the customer will probably face. Another question, like tires? Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to replace tires on the car, and they're not the original type of tire. Is that an issue? Well, I think they can be, I think they can be, you know, they have to be certainly the same size. They don't have to be the same make of tire. So the, uh, I'm, I'm really what I'm trying to get to, how strict are they when they when you return the vehicle? Well, they're, they're looking at the actual, uh, you know, how many millimeters are left as far as wear is concerned. Mm-hmm. 
So I think anything that's less than four millimeters, and you'd know, is you know, does that pass safety or not? Right. Well, at this yeah, at this point in time, three millimeters is the minimum. So it is three. Yeah. Not yeah. how many? How many thirty seconds is that? <laughs> <laughs> we measure in thirty seconds. And what stuns me is that there's over two hundred thousand accidents in Canada a year. So yeah. You gotta you gotta figure that at least thirty percent of them were leased cars, right? Yes, exactly. So you know, I'm just wondering when you know how much it does affect this value. Yeah. The Go big ahead. thing is gap insurance, so too. I mean, uh, leasing companies are now keeping the difference that the car is worth more, and they're just saying to the you know the lessee to go out and get a new car. Well, yeah, ex- just to explain this to people, they don't understand what the gap is. Well, gap is the difference between the book value of the vehicle and the payout value. And um, so the book value, or saying like the black book value of a vehicle could be fourteen thousand, and the book value could be twelve. Mm-hmm. So the insurance company will now keep the difference. Um, but most of the time it goes the other way. Well, exactly. You know, so, for example, your car gets stolen or the car gets written off yeah. and there's a shortfall, yeah. it's usually the lessor or the, the person who owns the car has to make up that difference. Yeah, unless you unless you buy a waiver of depreciation insurance or gap insurance with your insurance company, and uh, definitely it would be something that uh, would be recommended on any lease car. On your site right now, you have anything that's really super that you can see? On our site? Yeah. I don't have our site open because I'm not at the office. I'm not at home today. <laughs> now, how many cars generally do you have on the site that people we, can peruse? We're on? carrying between thirteen and fourteen hundred. Wow! And we would get around a thousand inquiries a month, mm-hmm. and we would list somewhere around four hundred cars right across Canada. Wow! And we break it into a couple of different. We have Western Canada, we have Ontario, Quebec, and Atlantic Canada. Oh, so you, when you're talking about those 1,300 cars, you're talking about the across the country, then? Right across Canada. Yeah. And right. you're still looking for people to to offer up their cars because you're always shortfall, right? Yeah, you're we're sure. always short of we're always short of good inventory. Uh, anything generally that's less than $300 a month with. You know, 24 months left on the lease with lots of free kilometers. Uh, those are the leases everybody wants. Uh, so those are the easiest leases to get rid of. Fascinating. Okay, yeah. LeaseBusters' website is? LeaseBusters.com. And you have another one, which is FinanceBusters? And Busters? we have FinanceBusters.com as well. Yes, and what's the other one is the um, the Virgin Vehicles. Well, LeaseBusters.com is, um, is the site to go to for, I think it's a little early for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Shoot super, thanks week. for joining <laughs> us anyways, and uh, have yourself a great weekend. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, will. they have a site where they sell cars that have never been hurt, uh, exceptionally clean. Mm-hmm. They go through them, and they warrant them, and it's a whole thing. I forgot what it's called, PIR or something like that. Anyways, thank you. Uh, Leasebusters is the, uh, .com is the website we go to. And uh, I always browse there just to see what my car's worth. Uh, listen, can, can, can you not hear the music in the background? Yeah, we're getting out of here. We got to jump. Okay. And we're gonna we got a caller. We're gonna take. We're gonna talk to Beverly after the break. And uh, that's about it. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Uh, my name's Dave Renninger. I'm with Alan Gelman that's and me. Colin Dealey from uh, Preston. Uh, interesting stuff I want to talk about just quickly. One, we do have a contest where we're giving away a neon sign from Preston for your man's cave, mm-hmm. bedroom, kitchen, or washroom, wherever you want to hang it. But I think what it was, what if you got a lady hobbyist? It's still, what, gals are into cars? So it's a gal cave. It's a gal cave. 
Uh, no, just, 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 just asking. <laughs> Not going there. Anyways, um, we've to enter this contest. Just go to our website, davescornergarage.com. Uh, click on the sign, and that'll take you to the entry. It's really simple. Just the email address and your name. And if you win, we'll definitely get in touch with you. And uh, I'll send Steve over to drop it off. How's that? <laughs> Continue on. Okay. Do you guys remember a Jaguar XKSS? No. You don't? No. How, what year was that? 1957. What's wrong with you? I was only three. I was ten. Four, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, Jaguar, uh, this, this was, they took their race cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't sell all their race cars, so they put a windshield on it and a, and a top, and they sold it to the public. So at that time, uh, they had a fire in the plant, and they lost the ability to build the last nine cars. So they took those serial numbers and now are rebuilding that vehicle, and it's at the LA Auto Show. So it'll be a brand-new 1957 Jaguar. They're only building nine of them. Uh, there's, there's actually an extra one, which was the prototype, mm-hmm. okay, uh, over a million dollars. They're sold out. Really? Yeah. It takes almost 10,000 man-hours to actually build this vehicle. Wow. Right? It was the inspiration for the E-Type, which was one of their biggest successes. Well, when it's brand-new, will it still start in the rain or not? Definitely not. It's British. <laughs> <laughs> and the windshield will fog up when it's snowing. <laughs> and the wipers will quit altogether. That's exactly right. Well, you know what? It's Lucas Engineering. That's what it is. Exactly. And that's why they drink warm beer. You know that. Yeah, right? I know that. Lucas <laughs> Don't take uh, this stuff, Colin. <laughs> Dish it back to these guys. Uh, Volkswagen is not out of trouble. Uh, they just discovered anything with a three-liter TDI motor, which is their diesel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they now are into the Audis. If you've got an Audi three-liter TDI, uh, Volkswagen is starting to do buybacks. Really? It affects 60,000 vehicles, and Volkswagen actually started to buy back these vehicles already. Are they, how about in Canada, though? I haven't heard anything. So, but apparently it's worldwide, so it must be. But the reality is, where do these cars go? They probably sell them to Mexico or you know, some other country where it's not as strict as it is here. Good question. Fascinating stuff. So my son has a... Um, they're also looking, by the way, into BMW and Mercedes-Benz. Right, because they're apparently, diesel. you know, and as a matter of fact, you know, we talk about Volkswagen, but in fact, it's, you know, there are other companies that are building the equipment for them. Yes. So, for example, Robert Bosch, Bosch yeah. who builds the computers for these cars, obviously someone there knew something was going on, right? Yeah, exactly. Well... And, the, the, the here, this one, I think, has, has some kind of a trick in the transmission. So when he's mm-hmm. doing an emissions test and it's in the transmission gear, it, it changes the programming. Well, right, because these manufacturers, for the most part, they, they sort of engineer, come up with the ideas. But they're outside manufacturers. Uh, in fact, my friend George, uh, who's up in Collingwood right now, uh, the computer out of his car, engine management computer in his Cadillac, was made by Robert Bosch. Yeah, a lot of German parts in there, mm-hmm. right? But my Cadillac's built in Mexico. Really? Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's assembled in Mexico, but, yes. but the parts could be made all Come over the place. Over. Actually, Mexico and I think Poland. They make them in both countries. I think the, the Polish one is for Europe and the Mexico one is for here. Okay. Right? I'm just trying to think of a... Donald will there, stop right? all that. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a couple of recalls. Um, uh, if you've got a Ram Charger truck, 2011 to 2014, there's a problem with a closed short circuits, which can lead to engine stalling and possibly a fire. Mm. So if you've got a Dodge truck, look for a recall. By the way, recalls are not a bad thing. They are a good thing. Exactly. The manufacturers bringing your car back to the shop. They're going to fix it for free. And they get your customer information and then you start getting emails. Uh, <laughs> right, let's get back to Preston ever have recalls? Like, do you ever have recalls on your fluids? We've never had a recall on Preston antifreeze. Ever. We make, never. We make it in our own plants. We never outsource it to a contract packager. 
So we have full control of buying the materials, the raw materials, through the manufacturer right throughout the door. Wow. It's got a lot of quality. So for the most part in North America, where is that coolant manufactured? The other coolants, there are a number of uh, different contract manufacturers across the state. No, but, but Prestone. Oh, for Prestone, mm-hmm. we have a plant in uh, Torrance, California. We have one in Freehold, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. We have one in Alsip, Illinois, and we have another one down in Mexico City. Okay. So it has to do with shipping and, and getting it out there. It's all about shipping. We want to yeah. you know, keep those costs down and, and get it to the customer. Okay. When we come back, we're going to be talking about electric cars and if they need coolant. That's an interesting subject. Good question. Yeah. you got a little electric motor there. Do you got to cool it down or what? Or air condition it, whatever you got to do. There you go. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be back with answers to those uh, important questions right after this break. <laughs> and we are back. And, you know, primarily our focus today has been on cooling system of cars. We've got Colin Dillon in the studio from Prestone Antifreeze, the number one manufacturer of coolant in the country. Where do we go? You know, like you say, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve left. He, uh, he already left. Steve, there's some paper sticking out the back here. Oh, uh, you know, for the most part, we talk about, you know, internal combustion engines. Yes. Okay. And internal combustion engines, because of the combustion, the gasoline, they produce lots of heat. And of course, that's why we need coolant. But there are new cars on the market. Of course, we've had hybrids first, but now we have full electric cars. We Tesla. have Teslas. Uh, Nissan has the Leaf. There's a few other different ones, but they require coolant as well. Absolutely. When you got a battery-operated vehicle, as soon as that energy is coming off the battery to drive the car, mm-hmm. power it, it's giving off a tremendous amount of heat, and you have to you have to keep those batteries cooler. Mm. Uh-huh. But what people don't know is also to run those efficiently, you want the batteries themselves to be warm when you start using them. So the actual coolant, when it builds up that heat in the coolant, is designed like a thermos flask mm-hmm. to keep those batteries warm for next time starting up that engine. So the, the batteries are actually be, being warmed by the radiant heat that you've had when you shut it off. Exactly. It's a heat sink. It, it stores the energy of the heat, and it helps those batteries. And the same way, too, at Canada here, we want heat in the car to, we'll want, to warm up. our tushy, you know, from right from the get-go. And so that way the antifreeze is warmer to begin with. So it doesn't have to come up that far. Correct. And he was saying off break when we were away, uh, antifreeze was actually a gimmick to sell us the product in the beginning. That was. I mean, started off with water, and yeah. it was freezing. That was a big problem. So they uh, used ethylene glycol, made it an antifreeze. But really, antifreeze, its number one thing, is an engine coolant. It's all about maintaining that engine at the right temperature so it works at its most efficient state and has the least amount of emissions. And you were saying that in, in, your, in your point of view, oil is not the heart of the engine. No, to us, antifreeze is the blood of the engine, and yeah. the water pump is the heart of the engine because the oil's viscosity is all about temperature. And if you can't maintain the right temperature of the engine with the antifreeze, your oil viscosity is going to vary. It's going to get uh, less, vis- I mean, less viscous as it gets yes. hotter and not protect your engine. Well, do you see a time when there won't be any antifreeze where they have ceramic engines? Or is that something? Well, hopefully it'll be after he retired. <laughs> <laughs> it is very unlikely uh-huh. because whenever you are producing power, there's always going to be surplus energy that comes off as heat. And even if it's ceramic and it could take all the heat you want, you don't really want something that hot underneath your hood because everything from your paint to the inside of the yeah. car is going to get affected by now, that heat. Do you do other stuff other than automotive? I mean, we're, we're designing uh, generators and things like that. Are you to other fields other than automotive? We stick to automotive. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's hybrid, electric. It could be a motorcycle, motorbike. 
anything like that. We're working with, conduct, with engines. We have technology for fuel cells. We have technology for everything from geothermal to houses. But automotive is our, is our absolute number one um, area of concentration. You know where else there's a problem as well is, you know, the, the, the designers of the cars, not so much on the engineering side, but on the aesthetics. You know, they want a car that's going to cut the wind. Yeah. Um, so they've reduced the amount of drag and they've cut down the opening in the front of the car. Um, what is the, how does that affect the antifreeze? So great Ooh. question. <laughs> what, what that does, it means that the coolant has to work harder mm-hmm. and it's going to be under more stress and it's going to be hotter than it was before. So that surface area has been decreased tremendously. Yeah, so the cooling ability of the radiator has been decreased. Mm-hmm. That means often the water pump speed is increased, so that circulation is increased, mm-hmm. and that causes a lot of wear and tear on those water pumps, and if that water pump isn't protected, it will get cavitation corrosion very, very quickly. Steve's got a question. You know, for a lot of our listeners who uh, head down south for the winter to get away from the snow, How much should they be paying attention to the change of the coolant they put in now as they head down and when it gets warmer, like they get down to Georgia and then eventually down to Florida? Should they be changing it up as they're moving down south? They should be making sure they're maintaining it correctly. And when you're moving from area to area, especially going down south, you really want to make sure you have a 50-50 concentration of antifreeze and water to give you the best type of cooling for that engine. And that will cover you for that whole distance. But absolutely, you're taking a long trip. Check your antifreeze, top it up to the up full, and make sure you're good to go. Mm. Now mark that down, Dave, because every time you go south, something happens. Very true. The last time I got caught in the flood, lost the car, <laughs> and, and I was surprised as well because well, the you coolant know, was fine. I was checking the coolant just before it sunk. <laughs> so, but it's not true. The more, the merrier. No. Uh, many people think with anything, the more you put in it, the better it's going to be. Yeah. But if you put too much of the concentrate, if you go above 60% concentrate, you're not providing any more freeze point, and you're reducing your ability to cool the engine. Of water and the ethylene glycol, the water is the best heat exchange fluid, so you don't want to just put concentrate on. It's a really weird thing, and people find it hard to understand that a mixture of water and glycol gives you better freeze protection and boiling protection than either one alone. Okay, we'll be right back. We're bubbling over. We have to get out of here. Okay. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. And um, this is our last break, so we're going to say goodbye after this. Um, Where did we go? Antifreeze water coolant is Mm -hmm. poisonous, right? That is correct. Right. So when you have an RV or a cottage and a potable water system, that's the magic word. The drinking water. You've got a product called RV Waterline. Absolutely. You want to put something safe in your potable water system that has really good protection. In, in those systems, we call it a burst point protection. So our RV fluids have down to minus 50 uh, C, F, they're both about the same at that time, yeah. to prevent any freezing from occurring in that system, just, just to protect it from you know, cracking pipes and other pieces. Now, is that coming a premix or a concentrate? We bring that premix only. It's not something you want to mix or have those chances with that one. Right. So that one, someone would pour directly into the tank or in the pipes. Pour into the tanks, pour into the pipes after you drain the, drain the system. Mm-hmm. And th- what differentiates ours really is we have really good corrosion chemistry because whenever you have a potable water system, you're going to have plastic, you're going to have copper, you're going to have brass, you're going to have steel. You want to protect all those metals as well as have something that's compatible with the polymers that come in those pipes. So if we're doing the toilet, for instance, we drain the, the toilet, yes. flush it, and then pour this stuff into the bowl? Pour it into the bowl, pour it into the tank, um, pour, it into the, pour it into the pipes. 
Uh, same with a boat or an RV. You're going to pour it into the main tank. You're going to turn on the faucet, the taps. You're going to flush the toilet until that stuff goes right the way through. We color it pink so that when you, you know, you got the tap open, let it keep coming out until it turns pink, mm-hmm. and then you know you're good to go. For so how much would you actually use to do, let's say, an RV? Uh, an RV really depends on what you've got on, yeah. on the systems. It can be anywhere from two gallons. On boats, it can be anywhere from two gallons to 18 gallons. Depends how much, how big your system is. The reason I brought this up, we used to have a cottage in, at Lake Simcoe, and we used to do that because in the winter it got so cold that the stuff would actually crack. Absolutely, yep. Alan, go ahead. Question, because the product is safe, are you by law able to just let it down the drain after? Uh by the process of flushing it out at the end of the season, you'll be opening your faucets, flushing your toilet, and that waste would go wherever that waste would want to go. And it's all biodegradable. It's and... biodegradable, glycol, propylene glycol, which is usually that one. Some use eth- uh, ethanol. is very biodegradable. Right. Oh, good. And that antifreeze is poisonous because it – and I, we used to have well, – it wasn't me. One of our, our tenants had a shop dog. And there was a leaking car, and he was licking that stuff up all the time. The dog that's, didn't last long. <laughs> that's that's why we put a bittering agent inside our cooler. Oh. Anything that's on the shelves has to have a bittering agent. That makes it taste bitter, and that stops um, animals. animals from drinking. But the one thing I would like to point out to everybody, most of the deaths that occur with dogs and antifreeze is when the dog starts chewing on the bottle. We all know how dogs love to chew oh, on yeah. antifreeze mm-hmm. gallons. They love to chew on anything plastic. Think of all their chew toys they're made of plastic. Don't, please, don't keep your gallon of antifreeze on anywhere where your dog can get it. Put it out of the way. Lock it away. It's unlikely they're going to lick it off the garage floor because it tastes nasty. But mm-hmm. once they start chewing it, they can't help themselves and they're going to ingest it. So keep your bottles of coolant out of the way of pets and children. I love it. Really? I learned so much. And, and you know what? I never respected the product. I mean, <laughs> I, we had we always used Presto, but, you know, you just worked with it and that was it. And you never realized how complicated it is. We've got some very intelligent people working at our, at our R, R&D research. Yeah, and he works there, right? That's what he said. <laughs> My guys are the intelligent ones. They're, they're PhD chemists and they're PhD chemists for a reason. This isn't something simple to do. And the technology breakthroughs that we've come up with aren't something easy to Unbelievable. do. Unbelievable. One, one thing from this side, from the consumer side here, from the consumer corner, is that when you pull your car out and you're from your garage and you're looking, what should you be looking for on the pavement? So if you if have a if you have a uh, a wet spot that doesn't want to go away because glyco takes a long time to mm-hmm. evaporate, right? That is probably a coolant leak. If you're looking inside your engine and you're going to see, say, from a head gasket, you'll see a, a, a thin white line coming down. That's usually what happens after the after the coolant gets evaporated by the heat of the yeah. engine. So anything coming from the gaskets, any wet spots, you want to go check those and, and then try and work out what the source of that is. Now, you've got is. products, radiator stop leak, engine block stop leak, and head gasket stop leak. We do. So if you have an old system, a neglected system, and you see a leak, each one of those is designed to work. They're all different and dependent on the temperature of the system that they're in. So head gasket requires that high temperature of the engine to seal it. Mm-hmm. Radiator, obviously, that's the coolest part of the engine, and that's work. That's working with uh, actually Kevlar, which is bulletproof vest material, in the formula to really cause it form a mesh over the hole, and then the pressure of the coolant inside the engine, it's about 15 psi, puts a nice acrylic polymer over the top of that, and that's a permanent seal. Wow, that's like rocket science. Yeah, okay. really. <laughs> they told you know they used to throw eggs in there. <laughs> hey, we we do sell coolant to NASA. <laughs> is that right? And NASA. Actually, the big telescope that's in Hawaii, 
that is the whole thing on that is is cooled and lubricated by Prestone coolant. Would you believe? And you you, you supply the OEMs. You supply the OEMs. Yes, we do. Not just here, but across the world. Actually, we do indeed. Yep, globally. So major corporation, unbelievable. I was I have to be honest with you. We didn't get any calls, but I really enjoyed the information because for me it was a real learning experience. Got to thank you. Oh, it was a pleasure being right? here and glad to share some information. Really something. So Prestone, where do we get more information? Go to our website, www.prestone.com. That will give you all the information about our light-duty products and our heavy-duty products from Prestone Command. Yes, and it'll tell you a uh, cooling system guide. You put in your, your, your email address. I did it last night. Yep. And, in, and it brings up your car, and it tells you what, to, how, what product to use and, and how much And even use. with those hybrid vehicles, it will tell you each side because hybrid vehicles have two cooling systems, and it will tell you your battery side yeah. and your engine side. It will give you complete volume. See, now they're, right now they're all new, but when they get seven or eight years old, you're going to know this stuff. And also when you go on their website, you key, you key in your region that you're in, whether it's Ontario or BC, and it'll yep. tell you the products that are good for that area of the country. And, and don't forget, we were talking about antifreeze, but windshield washer, really important. You guys make a good product there, too. Absolutely. And uh, at this time of year, make sure your summer wash is out and your winter wash is in. There you go. With the blue stuff and the pink stuff. Yep. Just make sure you right. got the... And there's a video on Do It Yourself. Carl and Dilly, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure being here. Okay, thank you. Mike Daly, thank you for uh, your information from Lease Busters. So far, so good. Daly, Alan, Dilly. And if you haven't Daly, bought Daly, your Salem winter tires, you better get on soon because <laughs> yeah. they're going to run out quick. Yeah, the has been retuned. Alan, thank you. You're very welcome. Special thanks to Sebastian who does this all this work behind the scenes and nobody says thank you, but I do. Aww. And of course, Steve, Aww. without you. Thank you. <laughs> so just don't leave it there. Without you, you can drive your own bus. <laughs> Keep the shiny side up, the greasy side down. We'll see you back here next week. Have a great weekend. Nice and if you're in the U.S., everyone. I think it's Thanksgiving coming up. Coming up in a week. There you go. See you later. This has been an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.